last couple of months we've been tracking towards Easter and after Easter we had this plan that we're going to begin a, begin a series on flourishing, the flourishing life. What is Jesus' vision for a flourishing life and how do we live it? But as we came after Easter and started tracking in towards May and into the season that is the Pentecost season for the church, we felt simply that there was an invitation from the Holy Spirit to us as a church. And the invitation was just, come and know me. Come and know me. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about Eastertide. I spoke about that moment of the, at the end of John's gospel when, when Jesus is the dawn breaking into the darkness. I feel like this is just a continuation of that moment, guys. I feel like we are on a journey of further knowing the Holy Spirit and of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we've changed the plan. We've bumped that series to later. We're going to come to it, don't worry, but we've bumped it. And we've come to a new moment that we are calling this for this month. The series is called Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Quick check. When you look at the little icon we made, what do you see? What do you see first? Tell me quickly. What? A flower? Who sees a flower? A flame? Who sees the dove? Who sees the flame? Yeah, cool. Yeah. Two things in one there. Nice, nice, nice. Come Holy Spirit. The other one, some of you are turning to like, I didn't see the, I didn't see the flame. That's amazing. Come Holy Spirit, a Pentecost series which is exploring desire, exploring the Holy Spirit, and exploring an empowered church. Um, today, I want to begin the series by simply sharing talk one, which is, come Holy Spirit, these three words are ultimately three words which form in us a 2,000-year-old prayer of great desire for God. Desire for His empowering presence to come in our lives, desire for Him to come in the church, desire for Him to be at work in the world. And so as we begin, I want to invite you to just join us in prayer, a prayer that we've been praying for weeks now. Just, just join on in, come on into the space, and now let's enjoy the journey together. So pray with me. Lord, we pray that as we take our place in this journey now today, as we begin, and we've already begun, but as we, as we sort of become aware of that beginning point, Lord, we pray that you would meet with us. We pray that you would encounter us. We pray that you would fill us. We pray you would impart things to us. We pray you'd bring this to life. Because as Moses said, if, if you are not going to go with us, if your presence will not go with us, we do not want to go. So we join that age-old prayer, that sentiment, and say, we want to go where you are going, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Today's text is John 14, 16 to 17. As Alice said, if you need a Bible, go and grab one off the table. Otherwise, feel free to open to it in your own Bibles. It says this, this is the words of Jesus. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Here's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The life of following the way of Jesus, the life of apprenticeship to Jesus, the life of Christiformity is a life of journey. It's a life of journey. 
We are people of an invitation from Jesus himself to come and to what? To follow him. And in the following, we find life with God is, it's less of an attendance in something and it's more an attendance to someone. It's an attention on someone. Someone who is beckoning each of us to come, come and walk the great pilgrimage of life with me. And the church has always been these people. The church has always been on a journey of pilgrimage, of obedience to Jesus' invitation. For 2,000 years, the church is not just people attending something, but attention on someone. It's people on a pilgrimage together following their rabbi. A community moving along together. A group of people covering space, covering time, covering geography in each other's company. That is the church. And on any journey, we have two options of how we will walk it out. I'm sure some of you have gone on OEs or traveled or gone on holidays. You have two options, don't you? Option A is I can make my own plans. Option B is I can embrace the wisdom and the help of seeking a guide, seeking a companion. Option A, make my own plans. Let's just use that in life for a moment. I can just continue project self. I can choose my own adventure. I can do what I want on my terms and in my own definitions. How, how's that going for us? Option B, following with a guide. You know, I'm reminded of Jesus here at this point, if we think about life. Jesus who said, I have come to give you a flourishing life, a life beyond what you can achieve by yourself. I have come to give you that. Or Jesus who said, if you abide with me, you will bear good fruit into the world. You know, Paul will echo this in Galatians 5, and he will say, if you abide with the Holy Spirit, you will produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit into the world. Or the Jesus who said, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of suffering and there's going to be a lot of pain and there's going to be a lot of hardship. But this I do promise you, I give you my peace. Echoing Moses, who said the same thing as we prayed earlier. I do not want to go into that place if your rest is not going with us. If your presence is not going with us. And what did Yahweh say to Moses? My rest I will give you. My peace I will give you. Or the Jesus who said, hey, greater things you will do than I have done. Greater things. You think about what Jesus did. You read the Gospels and you're like, oh, this is spectacular. And he then says, greater things you will do. And the early church goes on to perform many miracles and point not to themselves, but point to the Spirit who is with them. So I say all of this just to ask again, which journey are you on? Option A Choose your own path or option B, following with a guide. Your own or following. Well, back to Sunday's text, back to where we're starting. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of an anxiety of the coming death of Jesus, Jesus promises to send an advocate. I'll ask the Father, says Jesus, and he will give you another Advocate. So while Jesus is leaving, the advocate who is coming will not leave. The word for advocate here in the Greek is the word parakletos. 
It means one who is summoned to come alongside and to aid. One who is summoned to come alongside and to aid. And this is Jesus' term for the Holy Spirit here. The one who is coming is the one who is coming to, to be the presence of Jesus going forward in the church and to help and to be known. I love it how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, if you've grabbed one of those message Bibles on the table there. His paraphrase says this, it's so beautiful. The Father will provide you another capital F friend, capital F friend, so that you will always have someone with you. So that you will always have someone with you. Companionship. Companionship, being known to God and and us knowing God is at the very heart of parakletos. And Jesus is speaking here not of just some power, but of a person. He's speaking about the third character of the Trinity. He's pointing to his Father in the text, and then he's also saying another one is coming, the Holy Spirit. The third character of the Trinity, who will come as an empowering presence to his followers in the place that they are. Jesus is saying this, Where you are going in the future, you will not be going alone. The Holy Spirit will come and you will always be able to ask for his help. And so for 2,000 years since, the church has lived in this promise. The church has postured itself in this promise. The church has been motivated by this promise. It's been fueled by this promise. And as a result, a, a simple three-word prayer has emerged. Three words that sort of summarize everything I've just shown you. And those three words are simply this. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. It's a prayer that reaches back to Jesus' promise and declares that, yes, we want the parakletos to come and be with us. It's been the prayer of desire to, to not go ahead alone. It's the prayer of intent to say, I will walk where your presence is leading, to have God with us, in us, and on us. And that is the journey that we feel to set out on today. So for the rest of today, For the time I have left, I'm gonna do a couple of things. Firstly, I'm gonna tell you three origin stories. I'm gonna tell you the origin story of the church with Come Holy Spirit. I'm gonna tell you the origin story of the vineyard movement with Come Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna finally tell you my own origin story of Come Holy Spirit. And then from there, I wanna talk briefly about what is happening when we pray Come Holy Spirit. What's actually going on there? What is this all about for this next month? So let's start with some stories. Firstly, let's start with the church's origin of Come Holy Spirit. Now for this, we need to go to the birth story of the church. And so if you have your Bibles, what I want you to do is open to the book of Acts, which is after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Luke wrote Luke, part A. Then he wrote Acts, part B. Part A is about the life of Jesus, the birth life of Jesus, and then it's part B, it's the birth and life of his church. So Acts is where we go when we want to find out the origin story of the church. And in particular, what I want us to look at very quickly today is Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 together, these two great chapters at the very start of Acts. So flick with me there. If you've got that, it would be great for you just to sort of skim along as we're going through this, because what I want to do is I'm going to break it down into five chunks. Here are the five chunks. Acts chapter one, four to eight. 
Acts chapter 1 verse 14, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 13, Acts chapter 2, 14 to 41, and Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Now we don't have time to kind of really dig deep on this. Actually, as I was prepping this this week, there's a whole series in these five markers alone, and I'd love to do it. Oh, the preacher in me would love to do it. I'd love to get warmed up on that one, but I'm going to restrain myself today and just give you a quick glimpse. Firstly, Acts chapter 1, 4 to 8. What do we have here? Well, I'm just going to read a little bit here. I'm just going to show you a couple of things. Jesus is promising to his apostles what is about to happen. And this is what he says. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The apostles were with Jesus. They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. Stay focused on this, is what he's trying to say. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, which is where they were at the time, here in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. What do we have first? We have a promise. We have a promise of the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus is promising that this is what's about to happen. The Father is up to this. It's his agenda and it's gonna happen. Then, Verse 14 is really important. Skim across to verse 14. Here's what it says. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. They met together and they were constantly united, what? In prayer. Part two, prayer and petition the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has promised this, and then what do the apostles, what does that group do? They say, okay, well, if he said it, we lean in. And so they start doing that. They gather together, and they are joined together, praying, petitioning for the Holy Spirit. Then in chapter two, we have this fantastic moment. Verse one, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They're just doing what they've been doing from verse 14. They're meeting together. They are praying. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. What looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do. And on they go. This is the moment of part three of the story, Pentecost, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus has promised it. They are praying and petitioning for it. And now Pentecost, the moment of arrival of the Spirit. The Spirit fills those who have gathered together in that place that day. And if you read the rest of the story, it's, it's amazing because what happens is all of these miraculous signs and wonders start to be pouring out of them. And the people gathered around them, they start to say, hey, it's pretty early in the morning and these people look drunk. They look crazy. Uh, it's a bit early for that, don't you think? And what happens next? What happens next is in chapter two, verses 14 through to 41, we see one of the first sermons after Jesus. Peter stands up and he preaches and he explains everything that's going on. 
And he points to the Old Testament and he says, oh, it has been written that this was going to happen. Do not be afraid. This was always meant to come like this. It was going to happen. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what God is doing amongst the world. This is what he is doing through Jesus. This is what is now going on. And so Peter explains the work of the Spirit. And then at the end of chapter two, at the end of the sermon, it actually says this fantastic thing. Those um, who believed what Peter said in verse 41 were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. No big deal. You know, just 3,000 people. That's a pretty big growth curve all of a sudden for this little gathering of people to manage. And so what happens? What happens from there? Well, then we see this beautiful portrait in verse 42 to 47, one we've used many times here at Central Vineyard as we've talked about community. The believers form a community, they devote themselves to what's going on, and they start to practice life together. And that's the last bit. They practice community, life together as the spirit community. They practice life together, not just because it's looking cool and attractive. They gather around this because something is life-giving and bursting forth amongst this and they start practicing it together. It says radical things there, like no one was in need. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has so moved people, they're being incredibly generous and sharing all of their belongings. That's a work of God. People are being healed, people are being delivered, all sorts of wonderful things. And this is the journey, this is the ark of Acts chapter one and two. And this is the story of the church. This is the origin story of the church. This is how we began. This is how it all began. So let's just summarize. For those of you who are wanting to take a little picture of that, here's the summary. In summary, the church was born not just out of some new and good idea or some good intention to do something fresh and creative or some new system. It was not born out of man's good idea. It was born off the promise of Jesus that his spirit would come. Those who followed him took him at his word and they prayed and petitioned that it would be so. And then God sent his spirit on Pentecost, he delivered. And after it arrived, they had to do two things. Thing number one, they had to explain what was going on with their words and they had to live it with their actions. And that was the beginning of the church. That's the origin of the church. And to this day, that's what the church has been trying to walk in. We try to talk and explain and teach. And at the same time, we try and live it and embody it and incarnate it into the world. And that's our story. That's the origin of the story of the church. It's a come Holy Spirit story. It's not just a good idea. It's a work of God. I want to take you now to the second origin story. I want to tell you about this family, the Vineyard family. Some of you might be even sitting here thinking like, well, I don't even know why we have the word Vineyard on our sign and as part of our logo. Like, what is that? That's, that's the family of churches we belong to here in Aotearoa. There's the Vineyard movement of churches, which we are part of. There's about 25 churches across Aotearoa, uh, and we're one of them. And there's several hundred churches across Australasia, into Asia, into Europe, across America, to the corners of the earth. We're part of a family of thousands of churches as we cover the world. Here we are sitting today at the start of Sunday and for the rest of Sunday, gatherings like this are gonna be happening. I was just talking to uh, a, a new family today. They said they're from Bath. You know, in Bath, in what is it, 12 hours time or whatever the time cycling round is, a community in Bath with the name Vineyard on the sign are gonna gather together and do family like we are today. We're part of a big family. Woohoo! But where did it all start? 
Where did it all begin? Well, if you're interested in that question, a little bit like how I'd love to preach on Acts 1 and 2 for like the next two years, maybe you could pick up this book. The book is called The Quest for the Radical Middle. It's by Bill Jackson, who's now passed away, but Bill Jackson wrote the history of this movement. He, he put it down in words and on pages. And it's the story of the vineyard movement as it was formed and as it began and what God was doing. And today what I want to do is just take a little segment out of it. I'm going to leave that to you who are more interested to dig into that book. But I want to take a little segment. I just want to tell you about a certain moment. And that moment was Mother's Day 1980. We're coming up to Mother's Day next week. I was like, oh, I wish it was Mother's Day this week because it would have just been such a synergy. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, I'm priming the pump for next week now, all right? So I'm getting you excited for next week. Come to church next week, okay? It's going to be awesome. But on Mother's Day 1980, John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, the founder of these churches, he had a, he had a unique experience at church um, in the church that he pastored in Yorba Linda, California at the time. Uh, he'd done the morning church service and, and he saw this young hippie who was in the church that day, and he said, I want you to speak tonight. And that young hippie's name was Lonnie Frisbee. Has anyone gone and seen the, uh, the Jesus Movement movie that's on at the movies? Some of you have. There's a movie on at the movies right now about that whole movement of the church, and that's our fuckapapa, this, this, the Jesus Movement that, that came out of the hippies in the 70s and 80s. Now, now, Lonnie Frisbee is in the church that day. John Wimber says, I think you're going to speak tonight. And he goes home all afternoon, and he panics about his decision to do so. And then that after that evening, they have church, and he tells the story, and he says, you know, he worshipped extra long, <laughs> drew the worship out because he was getting a bit nervous about it. He found extra notices to say just to make the whole thing drag out a bit more, and eventually he just said, oh, come on up, Lonnie, and he gave Lonnie the microphone, and Lonnie preached. And John sits down, he tells the story, and he's like, oh, what was I worried about? This is great. He's funny. He's good. He's got a bit of, you know, a bit of charisma here. This is wonderful. This is awesome. And then at the end of the sermon, Lonnie Frisbee just says this. He just says, you know, this church has been grieving the Holy Spirit for a long time, but he's getting over it. He'd like to come and move. And so he prays those three words. Come, Holy Spirit. And John Wimber tells the story that it just turned the whole thing into an absolute war side. War side. Just boom, whammo. And the church was turned inside out. Power filled the young people there. Uh, they spent 45 minutes ministering powerfully. It was an absolute mess. Uh, John tells a lot of funny stories about that, but I'll just leave you to go find that yourself on YouTube or by reading The Quest for the Radical Middle. But basically that night he went home and he was like, what do we just experience? What was that? And he's going through the Bible and he's reading all this stuff from revivals. He's trying to tap into it and go, what was, well, where's come Holy Spirit? You know, where are those three words? Whammo. <laughs> And he explains that actually one of his friends rings him out of the blue the next morning and just says, I felt to ring you because I felt like what you just went through yesterday, it's the Lord. And I just want to tell you that. And off goes this journey of a movement that would honor that prayer for the rest of its life. Uh, what actually happened from that moment was not just spectacular in the moment. What happened in that moment was that young people started going around and evangelizing with the power of God. And what then started to happen is for that, that next year, uh, they baptized as a church over, I think it's 1,200 people from evangelism. 1,200 people who met Jesus radically through the moment that happened that first night as they prayed, come Holy Spirit together. It was a simple prayer, but it became one of the most important prayers that, got to, uh, that was prayed in the vineyard movement. 
as the movement then started to spread across America and then into England. For those of you who know about HTB Church and Alpha, Alpha was radically impacted by the work of John Wimber, bringing come Holy Spirit to, to that moment. Not that John Wimber was the person who kind of held it, but that he brought that over. And that then blew a whole thing into the Anglican charismatic movement that, that blew um, through the Anglican Church of England. And then it swept around all over the world and it ended up here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, where a group of people started to uh, live into the same direction as well. And now here we are today, standing on the shoulders of all of that story as a vineyard church. And I'm saying this today to say, in the very beginning of our story is not a good idea, is not just some clever people. But as um, for those of you who were here when the Fultons visited a few years ago, Bob and Penny Fulton, who were there, put it like this. We were the burnt out Pharisees of your Belinda and the Lord met with us. I don't know, maybe you're feeling like a burnt out Pharisee sitting here today. And I, I sense that the Lord is saying to you, I want to meet with you. I love what Steve Nicholson says of this moment. He says this, Come Holy Spirit did not originate with John Wimber. We are merely the latest generation to embrace it. It has its roots back in the earliest prayers of the first church mothers and fathers and mothers. The first generation after the apostles to carry the flame of the gospel forward. This prayer is not just some oddity of 21st century Western Christianity. It is part and parcel of Trinitarian theology, a beloved prayer of every generation of believers before us. You are in very good company when you pray, come Holy Spirit. You're in good company because it's a 2,000 year old story. I want to just share briefly off the back of being in good company and I want to just share very briefly my own origin story of come Holy Spirit. So I've told you the church's story, I've told you this movement story, and I just want to just very briefly tell you my story. I, I'm the son of a pastor, I'm a pastor's kid, but worse than that, I am a church planter's kid. That's, I mean, if you think being a pastor's kid at school is hard, you should try being a church planter's kid, it's like even harder. And uh, I, I spent a lot of my life being in and out of church meetings and things that were going on. And I would so often go forward for the ministry moment. I'd go forward for the call to come and be prayed for. And I would be the last person standing. Like it's not working. Nothing happening. People are falling over. People are having encounters and asking for tissues. And I'm kind of just standing there like this is just not working. I remember being in one meeting one time. It's like an interdenominational meeting in our, in our region with a bunch of different people, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different churches represented. And there was this really fired up Pentecostal guy and he was trying to pray for me and he started trying to push me over. Receive the Holy Spirit. It's like, that's not receiving the Holy Spirit. That's, that's you, man. Like, like, I just had this, I had this, re, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a church planner's kid. I had this really high integrity for what was legitimate. And you're not faking this for me, man. I am not going over if it's you, but I'll go over gladly if it's the Lord, but it's not. You're shoving me. And I had this moment of like looking at him, like, what are you doing? Like, I was like, I think I was 15 at the time. Like, what are you doing? You know, because I was really confronted by this legitimacy. It's like, I will go over if it's the Lord, but I'm not going over if it's you. So I spent my teenage years basically being the person that ministry times failed. And then there was this moment and I was actually at one of the vineyard, I was trying to track in my mind, I was like, where was this? And it was at one of the vineyard conferences in the earlier days. And there was this gentle sense of ministry happening at the end of the worship. And there wasn't much hype, there wasn't much going on, it was actually just superbly just gentle and 
loving and a really beautiful space. And I just started having this moment as the worship team were leading gently. They started singing, Be Thou My Vision. O Lord of my heart, naught be all else to me, save that thou art. Nothing be, you know, like, you are my pearl of great price, essentially. And I just stood in my, uh, by my seat and I just started to weep and weep and weep. Weep and weep. I just started to cry, like an ugly, ugly cry. Like the cry you don't do in public, that kind of cry. And after that, I kind of got myself together. Uh, there was a few people kind of just gently roving around just praying for people. And this guy, I, can, I don't even know who it was, but I can still hear his voice. He just comes up and he just lays his hand gently on, on my shoulder and he just says, I just have this sense today that God wants to meet you in a way you've never been met by him before. And I've just come to simply pray for you. Come, come Holy Spirit. He prayed for me really gently. But what happened next was not. They had prayed so wonderfully and gently, but it was like I got plugged into some power socket. And at the same time, it was like my, my, my innermost being of my body was suddenly super content from having the best meal it's ever had. So it was like, I was like, whoa, there's something powerful. And it's like, oh, I feel so full of contentment and joy. Like I've just eaten the best meal with my best friends. And I started to just gently tremble. It's just all it was. I just gently trembled. And I felt this warm and serene peace. Yet I felt this like electricity power. And it was nothing spectacular on the outside. I didn't tumble over. I didn't start wailing or anything like that. But I just stood and gently trembled. I kind of am doing it now, actually. And I came alive. And I think, I think I've been trembling ever since. That thing that happened to me that day was the tremble that has continued to tremble in me for nearly 20 more years. I share these stories to you of Pentecost in the church, of our movement experiencing Come Holy Spirit and my own moment as a way of testifying and just saying this, what, what Jesus promised he would do in Acts chapter one and what he's promised he would do in our text today from John, that he would come that the Spirit would come and be with His church, it has truly happened. The saints of history tell us so. History tells us so. This church movement tells us so. And actually, in a way, as I started to look through my own biography, I too can tell you so. And I know that in this community, there are people who could tell you story upon story upon story of the same thing. The Lord has met me. His Spirit has encountered my life. And I've never been the same again. You know, maybe you've had that moment. Maybe you haven't had that moment. And what I just want to say, as you might be getting a bit worried, is that's okay. That's okay if you haven't had that moment. But I do have good news for you. The good news is this. Jesus' promises are yes and amen. And his promise is still good today. And he wants to meet with you. He wants to meet with you to do what he wants to do in you. The Parakletos wants to walk with you in this journey, to be known to you that you may know him. And that, that is what this month is all about. That's what we're setting out on as we begin this today.
So when we pray those three words very quickly, what is happening? When we pray, come Holy Spirit, what is going on? Well, because I told you the story of the vineyard today, what I want to do is actually just show you uh, a person from the vineyard. I'm going to show you a very short video. It's one minute long from Jay Pathak, who is the national director of the USA Vineyard. He, just be, he was just put in place as the national director last year. Uh, Jay leads a terrific church in Denver, Colorado. And um, he's going to say just in one minute what the prayer come Holy Spirit is all about. Well, it is strange when we say come Holy Spirit because uh, we're saying it almost as though we're inviting God somewhere that he already isn't. That's tricky for people, isn't it? They think, well, are we saying God's not here? Or like somehow a, a mist or a smoke comes into the room that wasn't there. But really what we're doing is saying, Lord, warm our affections to your presence and increase your presence in such a way that we experience you, that we're aware of you. Uh, I love the way Edwards would say it. He'd say, warm our affections to you. And uh, it seems to be a prayer that God answers. And honestly, I think we say come Holy Spirit because the scriptures seem to indicate somehow the Holy Spirit comes upon people or that the power of the Spirit is present. And so I'm not sure how to mix all that together, but it is something where, um, as Dallas Willard says, the Holy Spirit comes where he is wanted. Holy Spirit comes where he is wanted, from Dallas Willard there. Uh, some of you would have heard um, Chris Kerr speak at church a couple of weeks ago, and he referred to the Church of the City New York series that's currently going on in New York at Church of the City, John Tyson's church, and they titled their sermon series this, God Comes Where He's Wanted. But they've actually changed the series title in recent weeks. They've changed the series title from God Comes Where He's Wanted to We Want You Here. Do you notice the difference? We want you here. So it's the same series, but they've just realized we need to retitle this because it's getting theoretical. We need to get back to the desire. And as Jay just said, you know, this comes from a long, like, we're not just doing this because John Tyson's church is doing it. We're doing it because this is part of a big story of the church. God moving in the hearts of people for 2,000 years. You know, it's people who want to have their hearts turned with desire towards the Lord. It's a prayer of desire. It's a prayer of desire. That's the first thing that come Holy Spirit is. It's a prayer of desire. Simon Ponsonby, the theologian, he unpacks it beautifully as he talks about what the work of the Holy Spirit is. And he gives it three really good little markers to remember. And I, I think these are really helpful. He says this, the Holy Spirit is the immediacy of God. That is that it's the Emmanuel nature of God. God who is present with us, directing, shaping, leading, restraining, facilitating, present. It's the presence of God. Think of the difference of when you're in the presence of a person compared to when you're in the absence of a person. It's the immediacy of the presence of a person with you rather than the distance. So the Holy Spirit is the immediacy of God. Number two, Simon Ponsonby says, the Holy Spirit brings intimacy with God. Second word there, intimacy. It's an encounter with God, an experience of God. It's a meeting. It's, it's this image of the bride and the groom. Intimacy with God. It's worship like today. 
when we sing, come Holy Spirit, and it's like, it's not just about me singing some sort of mental ascent. It's like, no, I'm really desiring this. And he's meeting me. I looked around the room today. I could see the Lord meeting some of us. I could see as we were crying. I could see as we were just gently standing in awe. I could see it as the intimacy with God was breaking out amongst us. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit gives impartation for service. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. The Holy Spirit gives things to us, gives good gifts to God's children, directing us outwards into the world, directing us outwards to our neighbors, directing us outwards to each other so that we may tend and care and encourage and nurture and build and create. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. All of this is the work of the Holy Spirit, all three things. And so to pray, come Holy Spirit, is to open ourselves up to the immediacy, the intimacy, and the impartation of God. Three eyes, immediacy, intimacy, and impartation of God. And I just wanna, I want you to consider as we're landing today, I just want you to ask yourself, you know, is there one of those that I'm more at home in? Is there, more of, is there one of those that I definitely, uh, yeah, I relate to that, I'm comfortable with that, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that, I enjoy it, that's my life with God there, that's, that's good, thank you very much. It's known to you well, it's fruitful in your life. But, but then the following question I want to ask is, well, where is there something a little less known to you? Where is a part of the person of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, that's less known to you? Is it, is it the giving of his gifts to you? Is it the knowing him and him being known to you? Is it the encounter of him being close to you? And why is that? Why is there a gap there? You know, maybe it's because of not knowing. Maybe it's because of fear. Maybe it's because you don't want to be weird. I know that in the room today, there there will be some of you listening to this last 30 minutes of a talk And you are thinking this, this is just not my thing. It's not my thing. I I like it when I like it when the talk is tactile and tangible and you give us some stuff to go and do, Dan. I like it when you talk about Jesus, because Jesus was historical, Jesus was real. Yep, got that. But this whole thing, no, 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 no. You're going off script here for me. You get uncomfortable. You get uncomfortable when when maybe like things that are more charismatic or Pentecostal start to warm up in the church. You know, maybe when someone is praying in tongues during worship, you're like, I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> and now I'm going to bring Chris up to apologize to you. No. <laughs> or or, or maybe, you, maybe you sit here and when talk of praying for someone, of, of blessing them, of, of, of praying for healing, you're like, nah. Life with the Holy Spirit is a spectrum of so many things. I know that. On one side, it is the asking the Holy Spirit as I read my Bible to just come and illuminate the text to me. Right through to one other side, which is the raising of the dead and the casting out of demons and the miracles. That is a very big spectrum, isn't it? A lot fits in between there. It's a wide spectrum, and in our room right now, I know we're going to find people who would put themselves in all different places in that spectrum. I get that. I get it because I'm like you. I'm actually often more cynical. I'm often more cynical than I am willing to be crazy. I've been hurt by people when they've done dumb things as some sort of example of the work of the Spirit. 
I've been in the weirdest of situations of people doing things in the spirit. I know this, church can get weird. But also, also I have been so sincerely touched by the work of God's spirit. I have been in moments when it's like the whole world could be taken right now. My, my tank is full and I am happy. I'm ready to go. I've experienced the work of the gifts too often and too genuinely. I have encountered works of prophecy that have been too accurate. I have experienced moments of healing that my body can still not deny. I have been there in all of those moments. I have been well and truly on this spectrum. And so I resonate with you wherever you find yourself today. I resonate with the crowd at Pentecost who looked at them and thought, they're crazy. I also resonate with the disciples who said, I've been filled. And I also resonate a little bit today with Peter who had to stand up and talk about it. Today though, I sense this. Central Vineyard, we are spirit people and the spirit is not done with us. And I know for some of you on this journey, that's a really big stretch. It might be uncomfortable and it might even feel like a stretch too far. But this is what I'm asking you today. I'm inviting you, be up for the journey as we follow our guide, as we follow the Parakletos together, as we come on this adventure that he has beckoned us to and we pray, come Holy Spirit. You know, for some of us, come Holy Spirit might be a prayer of great adventure and great excitement. And for some of us, come Holy Spirit will be a prayer of risk that is scary. And whichever of those you find yourself in or wherever in between, I ask you pastorally today as a shepherd caring for a flock, I ask you, can you just be up for whatever the next step is as you say yes to this? Come and discover a God who wants to be immediate with you and present. Come and discover a God who wants to be intimate and experienceable to you. Come and discover a God who wants to impart and give good gifts to each of us as a community. The core of this prayer is the invitation to this. What might happen if together we put down our own striving and our best plans and we just ask simply and open-handedly afresh, desire, God, we desire you. We desire you to move. We desire you to load us up for this trip. What might happen? What might he lead us in and guide us in? What might he heal us of and shape us in? What might he empower us with? What might he do as he encounters us? And I don't know what that will look like, and I am not prescribing it. I'm not prescribing what it will look like. But the early church, after Easter, committed themselves to the promise that Jesus had for them. They committed themselves. They said, yep, we're in. They prayed and they petitioned. They opened their hands and their lives, and he came and filled them. What might God do with us as we align our desires for the same activity of his presence. The Holy Spirit is the empowered presence of God amongst us. Do you desire that today? So, here's what we're gonna do for the month. Next Sunday, I'm gonna speak on who is the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna do a teaching on the third person of the Trinity. I wanna talk about some, it's called pneumatology, actually, spirit, um, spirit theology. The Sunday after that, we have our grandparents visiting. 
Bron and Phil Tate are going to be coming back after they visited us last year. And Bron Tate is going to be sharing on an empowered church. How do we allow God to act? Bron's going to be awesome. Then the next Monday night, the night after that Sunday, we're holding a prayer ministry training night with Phil and Bron. Phil's going to be doing a lot of the teaching and the, um, the uh, examples in that. Um, but yeah, Phil and Bron are going to be with us that weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun for those of you who were with Phil and Bron last year when they came. Then the last Sunday of the month, which is Pentecost Sunday, we're going to do um, a teaching on staying responsive. How do we learn to walk with the Spirit? How do we keep doing this? And then that night, because it's Pentecost Sunday, we have penciled in and we have got no more details than this yet. But um, on Sunday night, because it's Pentecost, we are uh, considering having a prayer and worship night at Community Hall that night. Just no agenda other than let's dial up the worship team and let's just see what the Lord does with us. Uh, some of you are nodding really excitedly, and some of you are filled with dread at that thought. So there it is again, the spectrum, right? It's, it's still in the room. And so that's what we want to do for the month. We want to invite you to come along with us as we do that. We're going to be the calm Holy Spirit people. So to finish today, I, I'm, I've, annoyingly I'm bang out of time. I'm right on the clock here. But I, I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite Donald to come. And we're just going to simply do something to, to mark the desires of our hearts today. We're going to mark the desires of our hearts and the way we're going to do that is we're just going to revisit those words we were singing earlier. Our hearts are hungry for you, God. Our hearts are hungry for you, God. So breathe on us. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us. Uh, together, this is our prayer. When we sing together, we're praying together. And our worship leaders, week after week, prayerfully consider what words to put on our lips. Isn't that beautiful? That's their task. That's what they do every week. Our worship leaders pray and decide and discern what words does our community need to say together? And today, as we sang this earlier, I was like, son and Donald, knocked it out of the park. This is, what we're, this is what we're trying to do here. Our hearts are hungry for you. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Fill us again. And so as they just lead us on those little simple refrains for a few minutes, let me pray for you and bless you. Wherever you find yourselves in that spectrum, I'm really pastorally aware that as I stand in front of you today and with you today, some of you have just found today really hard. I just want to again say, the Lord wants to know you and He knows you already to know how you're wired and He will not violate that. He will meet you in gentle and kind ways. He will meet you in a way that will be dignified. He will meet you with His presence and His power, but His mercy and His kindness will be the package. He will meet you beautifully. And for those of you who are like, yeah, let's go on this journey, I pray that you would be filled with great faith for the season ahead, that you enjoy this walk with God and with your community. And for everyone in between, Lord, we take another step of obedience in following you. Come, Holy Spirit, come amongst us. Come, Holy Spirit, that's the desire of our hearts. That's the desire of the temperature of this gathering and this, these people. Come, Holy Spirit. So let's just sing simply a few moments and, and we'll just see if there's anything else to pray about in a moment.
这行